It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I am your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. This is the week two NFL recap show. Myself, Dan Rivera, Chris Dell, we're all going to go through uh, each and every game that has been played thus far today. New England, Seattle is currently live. You guys can get Dan on Twitter, Dan Rivera228. Get Chris on Twitter at Matt Journalist. Guys, I want to go ahead. I want to start out. I'm going to start out here with the Giants and Chicago. Big news coming out of the Giants camp. They fear that Saquon Barkley suffered an ACL injury. That is not going to be good news for a lot of fantasy people, as Chris knows. And it's not going to be good news for the Giants as they now lose their best player. Chicago eked out a win 17-13. Dan, did you get any reports on Barkley and if he's going to be out for the season exactly You know what, what his situation is? No, nothing official yet, but it's more than likely torn ACL. Look at the MRI, and sometime tomorrow or Tuesday we'll get it confirmed. Chris, not a whole lot with that Chicago Giants game as far as you know players that did anything, I guess, outstanding or really to go ahead and, and like say, oh, you know, this guy really helped anybody's fantasy league to name. It kind of just seemed like a dull game to me today. Yeah, yeah, it did. I, I underrated the Chicago Bears defense a little bit. They had their way with Daniel Jones. But talking about Barkley's injury, the two guys you got to look at on waivers are Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis. Now, Deion Lewis had 10 carries. He had a rushing touchdown. He also had four catches on five targets. But Gallman, I believe, was a healthy scratch in this game. And you saw last year when Barkley went down, he assumed lead back duty. So I think it'll go to, to Gallman as the early down back. He also can catch passes as well. And Deion Lewis still going back to his third down role in that offense. So I think those will be two of the hotter waiver wire pickups in week three. Uh, Deion Lewis, obviously the extra bump there in PPR leagues. Uh, Daniel Daniel Jones, the Giants, they have such a tough schedule. I just don't think it's worth stashing him at all. He, he might be a, a decent spot streamer uh, in good matchups. It, it, you know, you got to kind of take that from week to week. Uh, the only takeaway I have here positively from the Bears is Dave Montgomery. He's, he's high-end RB2 right now. He actually bounced back in this game from a scary neck injury, finished with 16 carries, 82 yards, also tied for a team-high three catches, team-high 45 receiving yards. I really like what I see out of him. Cohen's kind of taking a back seat, so I think Montgomery's a good buy-low candidate and, and a solid starter for the rest of your fantasy as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, Montgomery certainly was the bright spot in that game. Chicago now 2-0, and Giants now 0-2. Let's jump over to... I guess the the craziest game of the day here with the Dallas Cowboys and Atlanta Falcons. Dallas squeaks out 40-39 win. Dallas just fell behind way too early in that game. Three straight fumbles. Dak did not look good early in that game, but Prescott finished with 450 yards, one touchdown passing, three touchdowns rushing. I went ahead, I cashed my rushing prop with Dak, so I was happy about that. You know, that's the way that Prescott needs to play. If he wants to get big-time money, you know, you got to go out, you got to lead your team back. You got to make up for, you know, the mistakes that he made early in the ballgame. I thought he did that. I don't have anything bad to say about Dak today. Next week's an, another week. You know, maybe I'll talk crap on Dak next week. But, you know, the Dallas went out and they, they, they got it done when they needed to. They got that onside kick. But there are just a, a slew of guys that we can go through, Chris, with this game in particular. You know, the guys that actually, you know, set the bar high today. Ridley played well. Zeke, I thought, played well. Why don't you go ahead and cover some of those guys that played well today in that game? Yeah, and, and Dak was more or less bailed out in terms of his fantasy performance by the rushing touchdowns, obviously. You figured he would have gotten a couple through the air if he didn't get the rushing ones himself. He obviously vultured a couple from Zeke there, too. So uh, I, I think I had Matt, Matt Ryan ranked one spot ahead of Dak, and I think that was the good process decision there because 
You're talking about Matt Ryan's playing extremely efficient right now, had four touchdowns, no turnovers, and the Falcons are going to be trailing a lot because of their poor defense, their poor secondary. So expect big things to continue from Matt Ryan. And Calvin Ridley, I believe, I don't think this is a bold take by any means, is has moved past Julio Jones as the Falcons' de facto number one receiver. Seven catches, 101, 101 yards, two touchdowns on 10 targets. He now has double-digit targets in both games this year, has, has uh, multiple touchdowns in both games. So we're talking about four touchdowns, 22 targets in two games. This is the breakout we've all been waiting for for Calvin Ridley. So he, he's a guy you're absolutely loving it if you have, have him on your team. He's a wide receiver one locked in in fantasy right now. And in terms of the Cowboys, it, you know, uh, CeeDee Lamb has been very impressive. He's moved into that wide receiver three flex starter discussion He's kind of pushed Gallup down a little bit. He's kind of been the odd man out in the offense. And uh, top pickup of the week in fantasy is uh, Dalton Schultz, who had a career game. I think he's a top priority pickup on waivers after uh, Jarwin went out last year for the season with ACL injury. So Schultz, if you're hurting at tight end, definitely put in a big bid or a high waiver claim on him coming into week three. Yeah, Lamb actually played really well today. Ridley played really well today. It sucked because I had a DFS lineup. I actually had two DFS lineups with both of those guys in both lineups together, and I took them both out. Now, I swapped them out for Mike Evans, and I believe I believe I swapped them out for a tight end, and then I switched the defense. I, I ended up screwing up the whole thing there. But, Dan, I noticed that this morning that I think it was Tyron Smith for Dallas got um, – he didn't play the game today. But were there any injuries to note in, in that Dallas-Atlanta game? End game, you had Tack McKinley with a groin injury. Dan Quinn doesn't believe it's serious. He's probably back next week, but if he's not, we know that Atlanta Falcons defense isn't very good to start with. One I would keep an eye out on for next week is a guy by the name of Caleb McGarry. He's the right tackle, rookie last year out of Washington, and it's an MCL injury. And if this is true, he did sprain his MCL. He can either get surgery or sit out a couple of weeks. But that's the one guy I'd watch out for next week. The NFL is not built for offensive tackle depth. You know, I think it's clear to say that the Atlanta Falcons right now are in the front runner for potentially maybe having their coach fired first and potentially having the worst defense in the league. I mean, I don't understand how that team can't go out and at least go ahead and and, and secure a win today, uh, being that they just – I mean, they had the game handed to them, and then they basically just handed it right back to Dallas. Um, that was just a piss poor effort. I mean, if if I'm Atlanta, I'm not happy. Julio Jones obviously didn't get the ball a ton today. Uh, he's probably not a happy camper either. Let's jump over to my Green Bay Packers. Two and zero to go ahead and start the year. They put up 42 points today on the Detroit Lions. 42 to 21 final in that one. Stafford not a bad game throwing, but Aaron Jones really was a story for Green Bay. 68 yards receiving, 168 yards rushing, bunch of TDs today for Jones. I think Rodgers went out and was like, look, if I don't need to go out and go throw for 500 yards and make a, a big, big statement, um, Green Bay made their own statement. I mean, they go out and they beat Detroit up 42-21. to 21. And if you guys listen to our podcast, I believe myself and the Hitman, we really like that overplay. Now, it, the line had moved up. It, it kept crawling up today. But that game goes well over 63 total points in that game. Chris, why don't you go ahead and talk about that one? Who did you like today? Obviously, Devontae Adams. Um, you know, he didn't help his fantasy people out, went out with a hamstring injury, but why don't you go ahead and talk about that game for a minute? Yeah. Dan can touch on that injury too in a second there. I'm sure you'll talk to the doc about it this week on the preview pod as well. But, uh, it went from being the Aaron Rodgers show in week one to the Aaron Jones show in week two. And a lot of analysts in the industry 
missed on Aaron Jones because they drafted A.J. Dillon. People are thinking he's going to steal away touches. The Aaron Jones touchdown regression is going to go down. But look, he's playing in a contract year, and it's not certain that the Packers are going to re-sign him this year. So they have all intentions of running this guy into the ground. And in my opinion, he's one of the most talented backs in all the National Football League. Bonafide RB1, man. He had 236 overall yards today, 168 on the ground, two touchdowns. And we saw it last year. He did it today. He did it today again which is four catches, 68 yards on a team-high eight targets. So he took over the number one receiver role from Devontae Adams. Uh, Valdez Scantling, again, we, we talked about on the – on the we do the live stream pod sleeping every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and we noticed the, the line on Valdez Scantling's yards had gone from like 40 midweek to like 28 and a half, and we were like, you got to jump on that. And he cleared both of those with no problem, wound up getting 64 yards – and he left a lot of yards and production on the field, so he had a couple drops in that game. He could have had he could have had an even bigger day than he did. So I like MVS as a solid second receiver in that offense as long as Devontae's there to take the pressure away from him. Only thing I have on Detroit is, is DeAndre Swift. You see the role continuing to grow little by little. Adrian Peterson wasn't as involved. I think De- DeAndre Swift is a solid buy low candidate, not just in dynasty leagues but in season long leagues. He, he had five catches on five targets, averaged 12 yards per catch, also had five carries. I think week by week you'll continue to see him getting involved, and I think eventually he'll start getting consistently double-digit carries uh, in that offense, but not much else to speak of uh, with the Lions until Kenny Kenny Galladay comes back healthy for them. Yeah, I think when Galladay gets back, that's going to be a big boost to that Detroit offense. I mean, I, I was glad that he was out today, obviously, you know, going up against my Packers, but you know, I think Adams is going to be key for Green Bay. I mean, can they go ahead and continue to run Jones? You know, the schedule doesn't get easy here for Green Bay. But, Dan, why don't you tell us exactly what happened with Adams today and if anybody else is, uh, you know, injured coming out of that ball game? As Chris mentioned it, Devontae Adams had the hamstring injury and something you listeners should keep an eye on whether you gamble or play fantasy is hamstrings are the one that come back the most for hamstrings for wide receivers or cornerbacks. So he has a decent chance of re-injuring himself next week for the Saints on Sunday Night Football. So that's something you want to keep an eye on. Another guy by the name of Corey Lindsley had another guy by the name of Corey Lindsley had an injury to his hand. He's a center. I think he'll be fine for next week though. Yeah, he's definitely a big part of that Green Bay offensive line. Definitely a guy that you don't want to go ahead and, and lose for sure. Let's jump over to when we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, that team's playing well. They come away with a loss today, but look, 33-30, to 30, they gave the Tennessee Titans all they can handle. Gardner Minshew today had a great game, two for 339 yards. Jonu Smith got in got in the action today. He had a touchdown. I think, you know, the days of Fournette are probably, you know, pretty much over and forgotten about. Robinson had 102 yards and a touchdown today. I had Derrick Henry in my fantasy league. I was kind of bummed out. I thought he was going to have a monster day. Didn't really turn out until late. You know, put some put some yards on the on the board late for you know some of his backers, but he kind of let me down. Overall, I think you know one of the things I was happy with personally was that I had Adam Humphreys. He was a guy that I had to plug into my lineup. I'm still going to end up losing this week in my in my fantasy, but um, overall, I, I it just was a game that just bored me. Even though they scored 63 points. I think I was just upset because I, I really wasn't doing well in that one. But, Chris, why don't you go ahead and touch on some of the guys coming out of that one? 
Yeah, and, and coming into this game, the, the major news was A.J. Brown, who led the team in targets in week one, even though Corey Davis had the better game overall in that performance Monday night last week, is uh, who's going to who's gonna benefit from that? We, we obviously looked at Adam Humphreys. We obviously looked at Corey Davis, but it was Jonu Smith. And Jonu Smith's a guy who freaking Bill Belichick has referred to as the best tight end in the league, and I think we got to start paying notice to that, especially when A.J. Brown is out. He might, he might miss a few more weeks for Tennessee – Johnny Smith had an absolute monster game, four catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns, had the long 63-yard touchdown catch. I mean, with the opportunity in this offense, with the way Ryan Tannehill has been able to be efficient, passing the passing the ball with teams stacking the box against Derrick Henry, Johnny Smith could be a real go-to option in that offense. He's absolutely a top pickup on the waivers if he's still available in your league. And you mentioned this, Sleepy, the Jaguars' offense is legit. I mean, you know, I joked about Gardner Minshew being the Ricky Vaughn and like the Cleveland Indians major league situation going on with the Jaguars here that they could have won this game. And James Robinson, undrafted uh, rookie free agent, came out of nowhere. He had 16 carries, 102 yards, three catches for 18 yards. Minshew was extremely efficient. LaVisca Chenault, the rookie, man, he had five carries. He also had three catches. He, he's a multifaceted player who's going to have a big role in that offense. And DJ Shark had a decent bounce back game. He only had four targets. Again, it's a little concerning that Shark, I believe, has only had eight targets through two games. I think the workload should pick up for him in a lot of high-paced uh, trailing situations for Jacksonville. Uh, but, you know, Tannehill, man, what, what can you say about this guy? Four touchdowns on 24 attempts. People said it wasn't going to happen anymore this year compared to what he did last year. But he's a borderline QB1 number, uh, QB1 with those numbers. And, and with people stacking the box against Henry, he's going to have those one-on-one matchups all day with Corey Davis, with Johnny. And I think he's going to continue that and be a borderline QB1 for the rest of the season and season-long leagues. I think the big key for Tannehill is just go out and do your job. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. And he's going to end up being a you know a productive quarterback that could eventually leave his teams to wins. Because as you just mentioned, and Chris, this is something that you and I talked about on multiple podcasts. A team are probably going to go ahead and try to stack the box against Henry, and it's going to leave guys open. That's one of the reasons why we were keying on A.J. Brown to go ahead and start the season. I think if Tannehill just takes care of the ball – you know, Tennessee can go ahead and, and, you know, cause a lot of trouble this year. But, I mean, we do have to give a little bit of props here, you know, to Jacksonville. The fact that Minshew spread it around to like seven different guys, they didn't make a lot of mistakes today. And, look, they were in the game. They covered again. So, if you're, you know, if you're betting Jacksonville, which there probably aren't a lot of people doing that, you know, you're 2-0 with those bets. How about Minnesota Vikings today? Another team that's just falling flat on their face. They go up against Dan's Indianapolis Colts. Dan, he gave out the Colts on the last podcast. Indigo's head 28-11. Phillip Rivers, not a bad game today, 214 yards. Jonathan Taylor, he stepped up. He looked pretty good. And, Chris, you and I had talked earlier this morning. I said, what do you think about Mo Alley-Cox? He ends up with 111 receiving yards. That shocked the hell out of me. Why don't you go ahead and talk about that game, some of the positive negatives coming out of that one. Yeah, it's it's like you you look at Philip Rivers and he's the most pr- predictable quarterback in the league. That he's always going to target his running backs and he's always going to target his tight ends. And Mo Mo Ali Cox is a guy who's just been buried on the depth chart the last few years. Obviously, last year he was behind Doyle and Ebron. Now Ebron's out in Pittsburgh and now Doyle's hurt. So Mo, Mo Ali Cox is the guy, and and Philip Rivers, no matter what, is going to target his tight end. Mo Ali Cox is a, is a is a good athlete, and he's flashed in, in times where he's had that opportunity in the past. So I like what I saw about him. I think him, I think Dalton Schultz, I think are both two very solid waiver wire pickups. And I'll be putting out my hunting the waiver wire uh, weekly pickups piece uh, sometime e- either Monday night or Tuesday this week. So look out for that on bettingpredators.com. But yeah, overall, yeah, it, it was unfortunate to see Paris Campbell 
go down. He might be done for the year. You know, we were talking about that. They said it wasn't an ACL tear, and Dan, you can touch on that more. But uh, the Colts' defense was very impressive here. They had three interceptions on Cousins. He only had 113 passing yards, averaging 4.3 yards per attempt. Absolutely terrible day, but you got to give credit to the Colts' D. And if you're in a league where your starting lineup is set and the Colts' defense is on the waiver wire, uh, look no further past week three. They play the Jets. The Colts will be the number one defense in fantasy in week three against the Jets. You can book that right now. I picked them up early this week ahead of time just for that matchup, and, and I'm liking that even more with the way they played against Minnesota today. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's offense was the story last week. I, well, actually, I guess you could say their defense was the story last week. Their offense story this week, only 11 points. They only had like 176 yards total in that game off uh, rushing and, and receiving. Cousins not good, three turnovers today. Just not a good effort from Minnesota. If they continue to keep playing like this, you know, if, if one week it's their defense is terrible, one week their offense is terrible, you know, this team might not even make the playoffs. And right now, you know, they're flirting with disaster. Dan, any injuries coming out of that one besides Campbell? Malik Hooker, it's Achilles, and we know Achilles are absolute bummer because this is his contract year because they haven't picked up the fifth-year option. But outside of him and Campbell, that's the only thing you got to worry about. Well, what position does he play? Because I'm not even familiar with his name. Malik Hooker is the safety out of Ohio State. And he plays for who? Indianapolis. Well, obviously, that'll be a pretty big loss. Chris, you might want to go ahead and take a... Take note of that since you already got Indy's defense. Maybe he'll be on a one-on-one a -on -one matchup. Maybe we might be able to exploit that with a player prop next week. Let's jump to Buffalo-Miami, Buffalo 31-28 Buffalo final. I had Buffalo in a teaser. That was my best bet on the podcast, Buffalo and Cleveland, so I was happy that one came in. Now, I was a little disappointed with Buffalo's defense today. I thought they would go in, shut Miami out. But, you know, Miami gave them one hell of a game at one point. You know, Miami was ahead there in the fourth quarter, you know, after they had that long delay. But Josh Allen, 417 yards today. Diggs finally stepped up. Chris, another guy that I had in my lineup that I took out, 153 yards from Diggs. I was actually, you know, quite disappointed with, you know, Buffalo's effort, especially on the defensive end. Their offense looked good. I mean, when Buffalo puts up 31 points, I mean, you have to like that if you're a Bills fan. But the defense right now, you know, back-to-back -back weeks, just not playing top notch. I, I had them ranked number one right now, you know, in my defensive rankings. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to go ahead and, and start, you know, trailing back on them a little bit. I think they're going to have to go ahead and slide down. But why don't you talk about Buffalo, Miami, Chris? Who did you see that, that really opened your eyes up today? Yeah, just a couple notes on this game. First, from the Bills side, I gave this out as my best bet on the pod. Bills minus five and a half. I, I don't even really feel too bad about that pick, to be honest. I think the Bills defense kind of uh, sleepwalked through this game, so to speak. Um, and I think it just kind of cautions me to take big spreads when it comes to divisional games in the future. So that's a lesson learned for me on that side. And I had them tease with the 49ers and the Ravens on various bets. And in hindsight's obviously 2020. I, I probably should have given that out as a best bet instead, just like you combined with your Browns teaser there. I think that was, that was definitely a really good best bet from you. But Stephon Diggs, man, you mentioned it. And we put out our first edition this, this past weekend of our top DFS plays. We're going to be doing like an aggregate rankings between uh, you, myself, and uh, sometimes the Hitman as well. And you had Stephon Diggs on your list. And I, and I consult a lot of different websites out there from top DFS analysts in the industry. I didn't see many people, if any at all, with Diggs on their list. And he was a legit wide receiver one this week, and he also was in week one. Today he had eight catches, 153 yards. But mo mo most impressively, 
He saw a team high 13 targets, which is more than double the next guy in the team. Uh, Brown and Beasley each had six targets. And he's going to be free to roam on the outside because teams can't double him and leave John Brown open on the other side of the field. You've got a lethal one-two deep threat punch there with a quarterback who loves to sling it deep. Josh Allen has like, you know, his passing yardage this year is absolutely phenomenal compared to last year, obviously. So, you know, great start to him. I had him ranked as my QB one overall this week over Mahomes, over Lamar. That proved to be the right call as well. And then on the Dolphins side, Fitzpatrick, you know, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 plus yards. He did enough, I think, to hold on to the starting job, even though, you know, the team could have a nice spot to start too in week three against Jacksonville. I don't think that's going to happen yet, but uh, Mike Kosicki was the only real standout from the Dolphins side, you know, eight catches, 130 yards and a touchdown team high 11 targets after kind of a down week in week one. So Kosicki, if any, if anybody cut bait with him, look to see if he's available on your waivers. Cause I think he's a borderline tight end one play the rest of the season there. But that's pretty much all I got in that game. You know, after Herbert made his jump into the, uh, into the starting lineup today, or actually, after Herbert went ahead and, and started playing today, first thing that came to my mind was Tua. I'm like, man, I'm like, if, if Fitzpatrick just had a bad day today, I'd be willing to bet that Tua would have went ahead and he would have been, been starting next week. At least that's the way that I felt about that one. Dan, any any notable injuries in that one? I didn't see anybody in the Buffalo-Miami game that had any anything major. Nothing super major. Byron Jones had a groin injury, but the problem is – Dolphins play this Thursday, so that's the only one you really got to keep an eye on. I think he'll end up playing. All right, guys, let's jump over to San Francisco at the Jets. Jets today, 13 points, San Francisco 31. You know, a lot of the wise guys like the Jets today. I don't know how you could like the Jets. I don't know how you could have even liked them going into that game. No Le'Veon Bell, no Jamison Crowder, and we know the Jets' defense isn't all that great. And San Fran was bound to go ahead and come back and play somewhat of a decent game. Now, they suffered a bunch of injuries today, Dan. I'm not even going to go through the player stats here. I'll let you go through the injuries because there was a decent list of uh, of guys that actually ended up you know, getting off the field today, not playing. Yeah, of all the games today, San Francisco was by far hit hardest by the injury bug. They lost Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jimmy Garoppolo, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, and the problem is George Kittle still has that knee injury, but the docs thinks he's going to be fine. The Niners are currently in West Virginia for the next week for training camp. So these guys are going to be away from home. They're going to be in a bubble. And then they play the Giants Sunday. The Niners defense is the strength of that team, especially the defensive line. So the ability of the Niners next week would be to manhandle that piss-poor Giants offensive line but when you're losing that many guys on the defense, I don't know if I can place any trust in the Giants next week. Or my apologies, the Niners next week. Chris, you want to touch on anybody in that game player-wise? I mean, blast from the past with Jordan Reed, right? I mean, he was he was looking like a legit tight end one today. Had two touchdowns, seven catches, 50 yards, team high, eight targets. So anytime Kittle is out, they have a legit replacement tight end that can slide in. He still has the – it's impressive to see how much athleticism and burst he still ha- has uh, compared to like the last five years and all the injuries he's had to deal with. So I was very impressed from what I saw from Jordan Reed today. He, he's a guy who was actually – we're in a 20-team betting predators listener league, so the waivers are li- literally just dire straights right now. And he was somehow still av- available midweek. I tried to pick him up this weekend. Someone had just got him a tape before. So I missed out on that one. Uh Monitor the Mostert injury, obviously, McKinnon and Coleman. McKinnon had the flashy 55-yard touchdown run, but Coleman actually had 14 carries and two targets. So 
He only had 12 yards on the 14 carries, but we talked about earlier in the live stream that the Jets' front four is really the only thing they have going for them right now. They still have a good run defense. So, um, you know, those are two decent pickups if they're available. I think Coleman still gets the, gets the nod over McKinnon, even though he wasn't efficient. He's still going to get the usage and be the starting uh, early down back for them. But uh, don't bet your money on Adam Gase. Don't bet your money on Sam Darnold, man. Even though they were trailing all game with the 49ers banged up secondary, the Jets still finished with 173 passing yards. Absolutely terrible. I'll never bet a, a, a cent on the Jets, man. Yeah, there's no way that you can go ahead and probably back the Jets, even if even if it looks like, you know, like a wise guy type of play. It's just you, you got to at least see some type of effort or at least those guys put a solid game together. You know, maybe it's going to take Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder to come back to go ahead and, and really get that offense churning, but they just don't have the bodies right now. Let's jump over to another team that's losing bodies left and right. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. They went ahead. They played the Rams today. Philadelphia at home. I mean, they didn't they didn't play terrible, but their defense was just atrocious in that game today. The Rams put up 37 points, 37 and 19 final Goff. Not a bad game. 267 Cooper Cup. Not a bad game. I actually went ahead. I played Miles Sanders in my fantasy league. I was happy about that. I thought I picked up a, a, a solid guy today. Sanders came out. He looked good. Chris, that's a guy that you were high on. So I'm sure you were happy to see him back in that Philadelphia lineup playing rather well. But look, guys, I tried to tell everybody, you know, stay away from Philly right now. That offensive line, defensive line, their wide receivers, they just don't have the bodies out there right now to go ahead and compete with a team that that is at least above average. And I think the Rams are above average. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and touch on some of the players that did, you know, half decent. And then maybe you could just throw it to Dan because there were a bunch of injuries that happened in that game today as well. Yeah, and, and looking ahead, next week the Eagles should have the perfect get-right spot at home against the Bengals. But after that, their next three games are against the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Ravens. So I'm debating whether or not I should hold on to Wentz for one more week in one of my leagues here. I'm debating dropping Zach Ertz to the waivers. I mean, things just look that bad right now. I was very happy to see Miles, Miles Sanders look very healthy. We talked about the team just being precautious with him and not rushing him out there in week one. But he had 23 touches overall. Uh, I think wound up with like over 130 yards from scrimmage, had 20 carries, seven targets. So Sanders definitely looked the part. Uh, my, my main takeaway from the Rams is that Cam Akers left early in the game with an injury. Dan will touch on that. And then uh, Malcolm Brown banged up his finger midway through the game. So Daryl Henderson finally got the opportunity moving up from third string basically to first string. And he was very efficient with his opportunity. 12 carries, 81 yards and a touchdown. Also caught two passes for 40 yards on three targets. A guy, obviously, with a former high draft capital, very productive college player from Memphis. I think he has the talent. So I, I, I think it's a hot hand approach with this backfield. These are all guys you could throw in as a potential spot starter, flex starter from week to week in fantasy. And then we, we've touched on it a few times, Goff without fans in the stands. He has McVay glued to his ear, and, and the crowd's not, not going to interrupt that anymore. So I think he can be a legit solid fantasy streamer in the right matchups and, and a decent real-life starter now. Three touchdowns, no turnovers. I like the way he spread the ball around to Cup, Higby, Jefferson. Woods was quiet in this game. I, I, I think he'll bounce back eventually. But uh, very impressed with Goff, Henderson, and obviously very happy to see Miles Sanders look good and uh, exit the game healthy as well. Well, I do certainly want to go ahead and apologize to our, our listeners. I'll tell you what I did, actually what I didn't do. But, uh, Dan, why don't you go cover a couple of those injuries, and I'll tell everybody what, what I screwed up for in this this last podcast. Chris, you touched on it. Luckily, running backs are relatively replaceable, especially in that Sean McVay offense, as we saw with Todd Gurley. But stop me, guys, if you heard this before. D. 
The Eagles lost another offensive lineman. I'm not sure how serious this is, but he was helped off the field by the name of Isaac Sumalo, whose name I probably just butchered. And there's something you listeners need to keep in mind for their next week for the Rams. They left L.A., traveled to Philly for this week. They're going back home to L.A. and then flying back out to Buffalo for next week. So that's a lot of miles. They have to travel again because of quarantine reasons. All right, so let me just go ahead and tell everybody what the hell I did. Nice. DK Metcalf just got a 50-yard touchdown. Let me tell everybody what I did. And this was something that – and this happens, and, and Chris could, could vouch for this and probably Dan too. You know, sometimes we get talking on these podcasts and there's something that you want to say and then you, you're listening and you're talking and, and you completely forgot to mention, you know, something that you thought was important. And what was important to me going into this Philadelphia Eagles game – was the way that I thought Philly would go ahead and approach this game. If their offensive line was beat up, the only thing Carson could probably, the only thing Wentz could probably do was drop back and get rid of the ball. They were going to run like a two minute type of offense. And I, and I figured, well, if I could get that effort out of Wentz, it's going to be like a two minute offense. And how many times do we see teams run two minute offenses that they're effective because the defense just, you know, they get tired, the reaction time, it just, it needs to be pinpoint perfect. And I really like that over today, and I meant to give that out on the podcast, and I didn't. So I do want to apologize to you guys for that. But with that said, when that Bengals line is out, and it probably should be out right now, just start betting that Eagles over because the Bengals are going to give up points one way or another. My only concern for somebody who's looking to go ahead and maybe play Wentz is that he's going to have a pretty decent front he's going to have to go up against. And if that Eagles offensive line – is is banged up. You're gonna have Dunlap. You'll have Atkins. You know they'll be getting after him. I think Wentz takes that same approach. He does not want to get hit by those two guys. And look for him to get rid of that ball rather quickly. And Philly will be running like a two minute offense, and it, it'll probably have some, some some success against the Bengals. But look, if the Rams almost put up 40 today, the way that that Bengals offense looked, and Burrow looks, you know, rather solid. I mean, the kid's back there. He, he's being calm. He's got playmakers. He's got Mixon. He's got Boyd. He's got AJ Green. I think that Cincinnati puts up points for sure. So I don't know what that line is right now, but if it's under 50, if it's 50 and a half, I'll bet that over all day. Yeah, That's all it, I have it, on that it, one. But. Yeah, Sleepy, just one last comment there is I, I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad because too bad you won your best bet pick. You also won your prop pick of the week. And uh, not to pat ourselves on the back because we're going to call ourselves out when we're wrong. We're also going to call ourselves out when we're right. And we went 10 and 4 overall in our prop plays this week. So we're putting out an article every single week. We're going to try to put out as many props as we can early in the week on the podcast. But obviously, with injury news as the week progresses, every Saturday I'm going to be putting up an article with props I'm betting. I'm also going to be updating that article on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings with a few new props I've added. So we had a total, I had a total personally of 13 props I put on there, and I put yours as a bonus prop. So Mine went nine and four overall. Your, yours went one and zero. Oh. So people who are following the props article on bettingpredators.com, stay tuned for that week in and week out because we're doing fantasy rankings every single week, and those prop picks are going to strongly correlate with the fantasy rankings that we have. And I think with the research that we're doing on that side, it's only going to give us an extra edge to continue a strong record with the prop betting. So you know, you might have missed out on that over, but I feel pretty good about the day we have with the props and everything else we've done on the pods. So. And you know what I mentioned in in the last pod? I said, look, it was, you know, when we did our recap, I said it was week one. You know, not every but a lot of people just don't go out and simply crush it. But I but I I said, look, we're gonna we're gonna win this week. And 
you know, Dan hit his best bet. McKenzie hit both of his plays. I don't know how smooth did. Uh, Bernie ended up cashing. He had the Falcons. I hit mine. Chris hit his. I mean, we, we had a killer podcast overall. And somebody was asking if we can go ahead and put the picks out. And Dan puts together a Google Doc sheet. And then he'll, he'll go ahead and he'll put that Google Doc sheet out. I think with our picks on it, he'll put that out. I, I think it would be Saturday night, Dan, or early early Sunday or something like that. But Dan eventually is going to go ahead and put out a recap of, of all the picks. I, I don't know necessarily where he's posting that at. It might be on bettingpredators.com or it might be on his Twitter. If he sends it to me, I'll post that. But you guys will have all that information just so you guys you know are aware of the bets that we made and that we gave out on the podcast so you guys could be like, all right, you know, these guys suck or, or these guys are pretty good. But, you know, as I mentioned last week, you know, we were going to kick ass this week. And, and sure enough, you know, I think everybody kind of came through and delivered because yeah. You know, yeah. we had to, you know, we, we work our rear ends off to go ahead and provide you guys with, you know, at least good content. But you guys know for sure as hell we want to give you guys the winners in. And I certainly thought that we did that. Chris, you got anything else on that one? Yeah, no, no. I, I was just going to add to that. So we're trying to, like you said, we're trying to be as transparent as possible through the winners, through the losers. I think we're going to have a lot more winners and losers with props, with side bets, with teasers, et cetera. So that that actually article is, it's going to be on the homepage. It's going to be on the main p- page on uh, bettingpredators.com. So we have it up now. And we're probably each week going to post the updates for that week, uh, probably sometime like on a Sunday morning, like right around kickoff time. Because uh, we want people to be able to read the content we have on the site early in the week. We want people to tune into the podcast and not just put up the picks uh, first before those things. So definitely we'll have that updated every single week. It's already up on the site right now for week one and week two. So you can check that out. We'll have the player props. We'll have the fantasy football rankings. I'll have my waiver wire pickups piece. Uh, Dan's going to have his look ahead lines. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. He's putting that out every single weekend as well. Sleepy. You have your uh, uh, frauds and gods article talking about guys to kind of buy and fade uh, based off their previous week's performances. So we've got a nice little content schedule. So make sure to check out bettingpredators.com. You can hit the subscribe button at the bottom of one of the articles on any article you read. And, and, and by doing that, you'll automatically get an email update every single time we put up a new article on the site. So stay tuned for more on that. All right, good stuff there from Chris. Dan, I saw you had dropped off. Are you finally back, or, or are you still in uh, in La La Land? I'm back. I was having some tech issues. All right, so Dan's back from his tech issues. Good stuff there. Let's jump over to Denver-Pittsburgh. This was a game that I, I honestly, I didn't even look at today. I had it on GameCast, and I just I never even clicked over to it. But Pittsburgh got the win here 26-21. I don't think that was surprising. Uh, I don't remember what that line was. I don't know if Pittsburgh covered or not. I'm drawing a blank. For some reason, I want to say Pittsburgh was like a five-point favorite in that one. Big Ben had 311 yards. Connor played well. Deontay Johnson, we spoke about him earlier this morning, Chris, and we thought that um, I think you may have given his receiving yards over. I'm not I'm not positive about that, but I know we had brought him up on our, on our live pod early this morning. I don't have anything on that one. Dan, I know there was a significant injury in that one. I believe Drew Locke went down with something because I noticed that uh, Driscoll, of all players, was out there throwing the football around for Denver. Drew Locke got hurt. And Sleepy, stop me if you heard this before. We know Pittsburgh has their issues. We know they play up and down. But when Drew Locke went out... Driscoll came in and was moving the ball pretty well in that uh, daunting Pittsburgh defense. I was kind of surprised by that, but Drew Locke did get hurt in this game. You know, I 
I watched that Pittsburgh game against the Bengals, and I'll tell you one thing about the Pittsburgh defense. Their rush defense is very good, and their linebacker core is half decent, but their back end um, is where, where their liability is on defense. If they could go ahead and sure that up, you know, they have a chance to be, you know, the number one defense in the league. Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk a couple of the guys that, that lit it up in that game or kind of, you know, ended up being a dud. Yeah, so you're right. I did give out Deontay Johnson, Sleepy. I gave out two Deontay Johnson props. I gave out over four and a half receptions, and I gave out over – I believe the, t- the total was around 51 and a half. Easily cleared that, almost doubled it, actually. Uh, Deontay, let's not get it twisted, guys. Juju is the big name. He's, he's the flashy, catchy name. Deontay's the number one receiver in that offense. I had him ranked as a top 20 guy this week. And in, in all honesty, I should have had him ranked higher than Juju. But Juju, like I said, has the big name. He had the two touchdowns in a primetime spot in week one. But after two weeks, Deontay Johnson now has 23 targets in two games versus 14 targets for Juju. And the production caught up in week two. He went eight for 92 for a touchdown. So Deontay Johnson, to me, the clear number one receiver. To me, in fantasy, he's a borderline wide receiver one. I'll have him ranked around the top 10 to 15, depending on the matchup. High-end wide receiver two at the worst and brings Juju down a little bit because we all thought Juju coming into the season would be that number one guy. So, um, you know, Dan, you touched on it, and you guys, I'm a sucker for quarterbacks who run the ball. And Jeff Driscoll, he actually does run the ball a little bit. I've never been high on Drew Locke from the second he was drafted as a college prospect. I think Elway's been absolutely terrible at picking college prospects to be quarterback for the Broncos. I think the Broncos offense actually improves with Driscoll under center. You might laugh at that, but look, these are two unproven passers, Driscoll and Locke. Driscoll can actually run the ball. He can actually open up more downfield for the likes of Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and that might even give Melvin Gordon bigger holes to run through. And you saw Gordon was a clear lead dog with Philip Lindsay out. I think Philip Lindsay might be out at least uh, another two to four weeks, I believe, with a turf toe injury. So Gordon had 19 of the team's 26 carries, added two catches, added a receiving touchdown. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a solid fantasy option sleeper. We talked about him in our buy fade uh, uh, fantasy episode leading up to the draft that he was one of our buy candidates at kind of around that top 15 or so area. And, and even in a very tough matchup, as you mentioned with the Steelers, Gordon was very impressive. He looks fresh out there and I, I got, I, I'm expecting big things out of him. And I, I'm hoping that even when Lindsay comes back, he, he kind of remains that clear top dog uh, in, in that Broncos rushing attack. All right, good stuff there on the Pittsburgh and Denver game. Let's jump over to Carolina at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, you know, they had to go ahead and get a win. Tom Brady had to go ahead and silence some of the credits. Tampa Bay 31, Carolina 17. But if I told you that Teddy Bridgewater had 367 yards passing, DJ Moore had 120 yards receiving, you probably would have thought Carolina might have actually been able to squeak that game out. But that's really all that they got. Tampa Bay played a, a pretty good game today. Leonard Fournette, 103 yards. I was surprised. Chris, you and I were chatting there on Twitter for a minute. You know, is, is Fournette going to be the guy now? Is he going to be the, you know, the 1A for that for that Tampa Bay D, or uh, Tampa Bay running game? And I, I think he is. I think he probably has to be at some point. Now, I will say this about Brady. You know, Chris, I, I texted you a couple times. You know, if he throws for, you know, 200 yards and one touchdown, you know, maybe it's time to go ahead and, and, and be worried. But let's not let's not jump to conclusions as of yet. Tampa Bay was down there near the goal line a couple times, and they ended up being able to punch it in with some runs. But I thought Brady played half decent today, and I think you know once they get Godwin back and 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 once Gronk could start to 
go ahead and, and, and produce something. I mean, Gronk, nothing today, fantasy-wise. Uh, maybe Tampa will go ahead and get it together. But I think this is the game that Tampa needed to go ahead. You know, they need to have that loss, get that salty feeling in their in their mouth. But now that they come back, they get a win here on the road. I think that was a good thing for Tampa Bay. And I think they're going to have, you know, at least two game tapes to review. But that, 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 that Tampa Bay schedule is just an absolute joke. There's no way that that team probably doesn't win nine or ten games this season. Uh, Dan, any injuries in that one? I didn't see anybody really in that game that went down. McCaffrey had an ankle injury. He's going to go under MRI tomorrow. But I think he kept playing through it. At one point, he looked really good. So I don't know when the ankle injury occurred because I did not have that game on today. But keep that an eye out for that next week. I will say this about Tampa Bay, you know, and McCaffrey was under 100 yards. I believe, I believe Carolina rushed comple- uh, completely under 100 yards today. You know, that Tampa Bay rush defense is no joke. And my, my, my feeling going into that game was that if Tampa Bay is going to do anything, just stop McCaffrey and at least you know you have a chance. You, you'll, you'll be in the game no matter what. And uh, they kind of did that today. Chris, you want to talk about anybody on that particular game? Do you already yeah, talk we, about that? Well, I gave out two unders uh, on the on the uh, player props article on bettingpredators.com. And one of them I gave out on the podcast, which was Christian McCaffrey. Earlier in the week, it was under 73 yards. I think the line had moved all the way down to about 63 and a half. I also betted at that number. On, on that specific bet, I got a little bit lucky because he did leave the game early with an injury. I think he's due for an MRI in his ankle. Hopefully it's not too serious. If he will miss any time, you got to go pick up Mike Davis off the waivers. He's a guy that's been thrown into starting duties before in Seattle, and I think he's a very capable running back to take over starting duties if necessary. So I do like Mike Davis as a speculative pickup off waivers this week uh, to potentially be the workhorse in Carolina for however long Christian McCaffrey might miss if he misses any time. Um, And Sleepy, we went back and forth on this a little bit. Look, like I said, man, uh, rushing quarterbacks, I got a sweet spot for because in fantasy, with the process in ranking players week in and week out, is you can't bet on touchdowns. So if Tom Brady throws for 400 yards and doesn't get touchdowns, it's still going to be like a QB 15 at best. So I, I didn't think in this game. I thought I thought that this game the Bucks would have a comfortable lead and play from ahead, which they did. And he didn't have to throw too much. And it, it wasn't I, one of the prop losers this week was Ronald Jones over 54 and a half. It turns out that was the right process, but it was Leonard Fournette that got it because Ronald Jones had a fumble earlier in the game. So he's straight back in Arian's doghouse. I wouldn't necessarily rush to trade for or pick up either of these backs if they're available. I think it's still going to be a pretty messy 50-50 committee in Tampa Bay, but I knew the Bucks would have success running the ball against the Panthers. They have an atrocious run defense. It just so happened that uh, Rojo had the fumble and Fournette took over. Uh, and that's how it goes sometimes. So I think the process on that prop play with Ronald Jones was right. Um, and then you look at the at the Panthers side of things, that DJ Moore had a bounce back game. It's a 1A, 1B tandem with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They had 23 targets in this game. So they literally, those two guys alone, combined for more than 50% of Teddy Bridgewater's pass attempts. So they had 17 catches for 229 yards. You're talking about an extremely concentrated passing game with Bridgewater to Moore and Anderson. So just look for that. If you're looking to stack any stack, anything in DFS with the right matchups, so that, that's kind of my overall thoughts on those two teams there. No, well, I got two more things to close this game out. One, if you're the New York Jets, you have to be sick at what Robbie Anderson's doing right now. Two games in this season and the guy's just playing his rear end off. And number two, Tom Brady should have got credit for that fumble. 
he never had a clear handle on that ball and he just tried to go ahead and drop it down there. And that's what, you know, that's how that fumble ended up happening. I, I actually blamed Brady on that one, but I guess Brady was a little pissed because they were rolling right in the beginning of that game. But uh, that, that fumble certainly probably should have at least been a half fumble for Brady on that one. Let's jump over to Washington at Arizona, Arizona 30, Washington 15. I believe I, you know what I did? I had somebody that I said that they were on the road and I was wrong about that. But anyway, um, you guys will be able to figure that one out. Kyler Murray, 286 yards today. My boy, Terry McLaurin, had a really good game today, 125 yards. You know, look, I, I kind of expected this from Washington. I thought their defensive line w- would play, you know, rather well. And I, I guess, that, you know, they, they, they kind of didn't. But Arizona put up 30 points today. And you have to be worried about that offense. You have to just be worried about that team in general if you're going to go up and, and, and have to play them. I don't really have a whole hell of a lot on that one. I was just happy that McLaurin actually looked well. And, again, you know, this Washington team, they're going to be pesky. And they weren't necessarily super-duper pesky today. But, you know, you know you're going to get a fight from that team each and every week. Uh, didn't notice any injuries in that one. I was flicking back and forth. Dan, you got anything on that one? The Washington football team lost Braden Sharif, one of their guards. It was a knee injury, and I'm not sure how severe it is yet. So we'll see tomorrow. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's all relative because, like, we're all in different size fantasy leagues. We all have different needs on our roster. Every waiver wire is different in every league. But I'm just going to go out and say that if you can buy low on Antonio Gibson, do it now. Because he took over lead back duties in week two. And even in a game that the Washington football team trailed for most of the afternoon, uh, Gibson had 13 of the team's 23 carries. Turn that into 55 yards and a rushing touchdown. So nothing too crazy to note. But he was the guy and he showed the explosiveness on the touchdown run. He also had two targets, which I think will have much more of, much more of in different games throughout the year. Peyton Barber started off in week one with 17 carries. I think in this game, he literally had one carry for one yard. So that might have just been kind of easing the rookie Gibson into things. This guy's an extremely explosive athlete. And I think Washington's defense, at least their defensive line, is going to be strong enough to keep Washington. I think most of the time, in some type of neutral pace situation games, the the Cardinals offense, they're looking like one of the best in the league right now. So I don't think Washington's going to be trailing as much as they did in this game in future weeks. But Gibson, to me, a buy low. In, in Dynasty, he's probably not a buy low because he has a lot of value there. But in season long, I think he's definitely a buy low and could could turn into a clear locks, uh, rock solid locked in RB2 for the rest of the year. And then Logan Thomas, I mean, he didn't have a great game today, but uh, we talked about the duo of Moore and, Ander- Moore and Anderson for Carolina having a 50% plus target share. Uh, McLaurin and Logan Thomas, they're absolutely soaking up the volume and targets from Haskins. Through two weeks, those two guys alone – have accounted for 31 of 64 Dwayne Haskins targets. That's nearly a 50% target share. So again, you're looking for the volume, you're looking for the consistent usage, and you're getting that week in and week out with Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, two guys I love as starters for the rest of the year too. I think one thing that we do have to make note of, a lot of people you know, were saying that Haskins might have been the worst quarterback in the league. I can tell you right now that that's not the case. Um, he's made leaps and bounds improvements from last year you know, to this year. I mean, that guy's been, I don't think he's thrown an interception. I don't believe in the last like five games, but again, you know, Washington, I think there's probably going to be value on them. The fact that the scoreboard read 30 to 15, 
but there may be some value on Washington maybe next week. Maybe the wise guys were just wrong to go ahead and back them, you know, this particular week. I mean, it wasn't exactly an easy out. Let's jump over to Kansas City at the Chargers. Kansas City, um, they didn't have an easy out today either. And Herbert ended up making his debut today. He had 311 yards. Eckler finally woke up a little bit. Tyreek Hill caught a bomb. KC wins it in OT. And if you thought that Butker was going to miss that kick, you were probably just thinking crazy because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at him like, there's no way that this dude's missing this kick. And I think they tried to ice him twice in that game. But let's give credit where credit's due. The Chargers came out and they played well today. And the Chiefs didn't look like that super dominant team. I was kind of rooting against Kansas City. I just wanted them to get their first loss just so I don't have to hear that 16-0 and crap because that gets old real quick because that's not going to happen. But uh don't know of any injuries in that game in particular. Dan, was anybody go out on that one? Nothing to be concerned with next week. But Tyrod Taylor, out of nowhere, had that weird chest injury during pregame warm-ups. That's all they said. So maybe Justin Herbert starts next week. But if I'm the Chargers watching Herbert this week and him slinging it around, I would start him next week and just move on from Taylor. You know, the only injury that I think that I actually saw live in that game was Sammy Watkins. I believe it was Watkins. Took a shot right to the head. That was a pretty dirty play from uh, one of the Kansas City players, but or uh, one of the Charger players. But um, that's the only guy that I saw that, that looked like he got hurt in that game. Not sure if he came back. Hopefully he's all right. Chris, you got anybody, uh, you know, to highlight in that game maybe besides a Herbert? I do. Well, you guys obviously know if you listen to any of the preseason fantasy pods that uh, Tyrod was one of my guys going into this year. And out of the seven fantasy teams I, I had this year, he was my quarterback in three of them. So about half because he came at a you know dirt dirt price cheap at the end of draft. So it was very unfortunate the way the news played out. I don't know if there's any fishiness going on there. He did have a chest injury that he was questionable for about a week ago, I think, before week one. So it just might have been really bad timing. But if you had Tyrod as a streamer this week, I had him ranked as a QB1 type of streamer. You had no choice. You couldn't sub him in because the, the, the lineup's already locked. So that was very unfortunate. I took L's. I had zeros in my quarterback spot on two of my teams. Uh, one of them, I had benched him for someone else uh, uh, in week two. But that was tough to swallow. But I will say, uh, no more Tyrod. Uh, Justin Herbert's the guy from here on in, in, uh, out for the rest of the season. So I'm going to take the L on Tyrod. I think he had the opportunity. It's unfortunate what happened. If Herbert gets hurt, obviously Tyrod's right back in. But Herbert looked very good, man. And and he made he, he kind of looked like how I wanted Tyrod to look because he ran the ball as well. He had four carries for 18 yards, showed the ability to scramble, added a rushing touchdown. You guys, look at the rankings and the scores from this week. Justin Herbert was QB 11 on the week. Um, if you, if you need quarterback help, if you're in a deep league, you need to put in a big bid for Justin Herbert and uh, in dynasty as well. I'll probably be doing that. Uh, the same this week He's available on waivers in one of my dynasty leagues. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of Oregon. Uh, he looked very impressive. He looked very composed, you know, getting the nod to start with like five minutes before kickoff. It's pretty impressive what he was able to do today. So, and he made the chargers offense look relevant again. He made Keenan Allen look relevant. He made Hunter Henry look relevant. He made Austin Eckler look relevant again. Allen had 10 targets, Eckler four catches, Hunter Henry eight targets, six catches. So these are guys we were all very worried about after week one. Now, after Herbert in there for a game, we're not too worried about these guys anymore. And uh, I, I was uh, one week too early on the CEH, Edward Solaire uh, receptions call in week one. He had no catches in week one. He actually had six catches on eight targets in week two. So 
expect a lot more involvement in the passing game with Edward Solaire. Uh, I think his yards per catch will also go up a lot in, in the in the coming weeks for the Chiefs. Well, one of the reports that I read is that head coach Lynn said that if Tyrod's okay, he's going to end up being the starting quarterback. And I can tell you this, that if, if the Chargers decide to go that route and they end up turning up, you know, two losers in a row and Herbert's sitting there after a 311-yard, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, how, how could you not go ahead and give that guy the nod right now? there's a chance that Lynn might end up getting axed because he's just, at least if he goes with the rookie there, there's an excuse there, you know, we're building, we got our, we got a quarterback, whatever. But if he goes back to Tyrod and they start losing, it's like, dude, like, you know, you could have cost us, you know, a couple of games here that, that we, we maybe potentially shouldn't have, shouldn't have. I mean, look, they're, they're one-on-one, but still, I think you just go with Herbert and just get it over and done with. I mean, it's inevitable that that's probably going to happen. Yeah. I think it was inevitable today, too, that Baltimore was going up against Houston and, and Baltimore was going to end up getting a win there, 33-16. to 16. You know, I was a little bit worried that maybe Houston would sneak one out because, you know, Deshaun Watson is is amazing quarterback. But uh, even the seven and a half, eight points, whatever Baltimore was laying there just simply wasn't enough. 33-16 to 16 final, Deshaun 275 yards, Gus Edwards 73. I didn't think anybody really had a stellar game, at least on, on the Houston side of the ball. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and explain what happened in that one because that game, I, 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 I'm still a little upset that that Baltimore, you know, beat my brains in last week when I had Cleveland, so I didn't really bother to go ahead and look at them. I was a scoreboard watching that one. Yeah, man, I had Deshaun Watson ranked as QB 13 this week. I know a lot of people kept him in their top 10. With Deshaun Watson, he's such a good player. You know, you never want to rank him past like middle of the pack, no matter what the matchup is. But he really struggled last year against Baltimore. And the same thing happened again today. I mean, they look, I mean, Fuller got hurt, man. Like, I don't think Fuller ended up with a single catch on the day. I don't even know if he had a target in the game. Um, and he and now Watson's being forced to throw the ball to Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. I mean, these are two very small receivers on the field. He has no big body target anymore with Will Fuller gone, with DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. So the fact that he's only throwing to Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, they had 10 catches on 14 targets. Put up, put up 154 combined yards, but man, uh, Watson, uh, I think he'll have better days, obviously, because the mat- matchups will only improve week in and week out from here. But, um, you know, tough, tough, tough weapons to distribute the ball to for, for Deshaun Watson. I kind of feel for him in Houston right now. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, man, he, he I don't think he had a first half touch and he was not very involved, but he had two carries and one of them went for 44 yards. So I, I don't really know what the Ravens, for some reason, felt compelled to, uh, to get Gus Edwards involved in week two. And he had a good game. But uh, I think Dobbins is still a buy low candidate. I mean, the, the talent is inevitable, man. And uh, I think it's sooner rather than later he takes over that backfield, at least gets 50% of the carries in that backfield. And look, Lamar Jackson, if you drafted him early, he's been a little disappointing. But keep in mind, the Ravens have outscored their first two opponents 51 to 22. So Lamar really hasn't needed to do much in fantasy, uh, but they got games coming up against the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Colts, the Patriots. Those are four out of the next Ravens six games. So I think Lamar Jackson will be much more active in the passing game and the running game. If you could buy low on him or just kind of stick to him in DFS, I think I think he's going to wind up uh, coming through for you in, in those areas there. If you if you uh, you know stick true to Lamar and keep riding him out. Yeah, if you had mentioned Baltimore's schedule. Houston, you know, they have, they have two tough games coming up. they got to go on the road at Pittsburgh, and then more than likely they're going to end up facing, you know, a desperate Minnesota Vikings team. So 
Certainly not not two games. I, I actually think if this after that Minnesota game, if they lose that one, but I think they start to unravel after that Pittsburgh game. I'm just waiting for it to happen. I'm just waiting for it because I've been predicting it all year that, that Houston just simply wasn't going to be good. I mean, I had them ranked as like my 27th, 26th best team in the league. And as you had mentioned, you know, with no Hopkins and, and two small wide receivers and Cooks and Cobb, though they might be up against it. So we'll see how everything works out with that. Now, as of right now, guys, the New England-Seattle game is at halftime, tied up 14-14. Um, nothing really to note in that game. But tomorrow night we have the New England – or we have New Orleans – uh, at Las Vegas, the Raiders are going to go ahead. They're going to open up their home stadium. I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts on this one, but I can tell you one thing. The wise guys are on Vegas. I actually think the Raiders have a decent shot tomorrow. As I had mentioned on our podcast, I thought Jacobs would you know, pretty much just run the ball insanely tomorrow, and, and I think that that's pretty much what Vegas is going to have to do. They're going to have to get some, some decent groundwork out of Jacobs to go ahead and, and stay in that game. New Orleans, they're going to go in here, and they're going to try to win this game, obviously. I'm not sure if they could get it done. Michael Thomas being out for an entire full game now, I think may hurt them. And Drew Brees, just he's not the guy. Dan, you know what I'm thinking, Dan? I'm thinking my boy, Arnett, maybe he gets a pick tomorrow. That would be pretty cool. Not sure if he's even playing. I haven't even looked to see if he's playing. But I looked at my some of my future wagers today, and I noticed Damon Arnett um, ticket was still sitting in there. Um, it's still wide open, but it probably has no chance of winning. Um, I guess that's it, guys. We'll just wrap it up with that. Uh, Chris and I will probably do a podcast. Um, I don't know. Chris, are we done with our podcast until we do our fantasy one um, later? Yeah, what we wind up doing is we wind up, instead of doing the, the Fantasy Fridays podcast we had talked about preseason, we're, we're doing the live stream Sunday morning. So if you want to stay tuned to Sleepy's Twitter page, we're going to be probably aiming to do the Sunday morning live stream. We'll be taking your questions. If you have any fantasy start sick questions, uh, any DFS questions, any line move betting questions, we'll be able to answer those for you on Twitter. We might move it to YouTube. So stay tuned on that, but that'll be from uh, Sunday mornings from 11 to 1145 AM most weekends. All right. Good stuff there, Dan. Thanks for jumping on the pod. Chris, thanks for jumping on the pod. That is our NFL week two recap. From the betting predators, you guys can always find us all on pregame.com, on Twitter, at betting predators. You guys can find us pretty much anywhere that uh, I'm sure you guys are following us. So we'll just leave it at that. But with that said, I hope Seattle Seahawks win and cover tonight. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can get me at Sleepy J underscore pregame on Twitter. You can get Dan Rivera at Dan Rivera 228. And you can get Chris Dell at The Mad Journalist. Um, great stuff from all the guys this entire weekend. You know, Uncle Dave, the Hitman. Mackenzie, Bernie, Smooth, Chris, Dan, myself, even the doc, even though the doc, I got to get the doc to go and give us a damn pick because I know he's got some fantasy props and stuff like that. So we could probably squeeze a couple of winners out of the doc as well because uh, he's always doing podcasts and stuff too. So um, that's it, guys. Hope you guys did well. Hope you guys made some money today. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you in the pregame.com forums and on Twitter.